Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There's a strong link between sports and medicine. If you're not at the top of your medical game, you can't play well, or you just can't play. Welcome to Bruce the Sports Doc with medical expert Dr. Bruce Grossinger. This program looks at advances and breakthroughs in medicine and how it relates to sports. Plus, you'll receive preventative tips and analysis of sports injuries this week. Now, here's Bruce the Sports Doc. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm here with Spencer the Wizard Grossinger. And we have an esteemed guest today, all the way from Nebraska, Jake Bogus. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Spence, and I know he has some questions for our guest. Yeah, today we are honored to be joined by Jake Bogus, the host of The Drive on 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln, Nebraska. He covers all of Husker sports. And uh, Jake, my first question, when I think about Nebraska, I think about Nebraska football and Tom Osborne and the 90s teams. You grew up in a small town in Minden, Nebraska. Talk about your background being a Husker football fan. Oh, my background as a Husker football fan. Well, naturally, I mean, I'm, I'm 25. I was six years old when uh, Nebraska won the national title in 94. So um, I didn't fully understand the uh, magnitude of that victory, but I remember uh, sitting on my parents' bed listening about Costas with the final call and uh, talking about how special it was for Tom Osborne to win that title. My, my Husker fandom, as far as football is concerned, uh, actually took a, a huge jump up uh, when I was in college, and uh, when I, I always liked Husker football and Husker athletics when I was growing up and, and when I was in high school, but my freshman year of college, I actually went to a junior college in California because I wanted to be an actor and uh, a performer, and when I was out there, um, a lot of my friends I made out there would, would constantly make fun of Nebraska. Uh, they, they'd make fun of, you know, incorrect stereotypes about our state, and they'd make fun of the football team. And just naturally over time, um, it just became a source of pride for me. Every time they'd make fun of it, the more I would be happy that I was from Nebraska, and that's what I represented. And ultimately, I would say about when I was 18, I know that's maybe a little later than you expected, but when I was about 18 is when I really dove into Husker football, when I really started to become a fan of it. And uh, as far as Husker basketball is concerned, I would say maybe the next year when I transferred to UNL and I got season tickets is when I started to really get excited about Nebraska basketball. And that was back when there was a lot of buzz with Doc Sadler and um, his first couple of years actually went okay. And people were confident that he was going to turn the basketball program around. I was on board with that, but it just didn't work out. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of how my, my fandom started for both of those. Well, that's very interesting. Um, your course to pretty much being a sports broadcaster is very different in the sense that you went to acting school in California. Um, was acting really your first love? Did you really want to be a, a Hollywood actor, actually, rather than a sportscaster? Yes, I did. Um, that is, it's quite a long story how I decided to stop doing that and, and um, decided to go into sports broadcasting. All throughout high school, um, I was – I did actually – didn't do sports. I was the PA announcer at football and basketball games. All my buddies were on the sports teams, and I was heavily involved with band uh, and um, speech team and, and drama. Uh, our, our school, Minden High School, is just a small school. I, had, I graduated with a class of 60, and wow. my passion was music. I played saxophone for nine years. I play piano now, 
and I really caught the acting bug when I was in high school. It was something that I enjoyed a lot, speech team. Um, I did all the comedic events, uh, duet, OID, humorous prose, and then I also was in one-act plays every year. I had a friend that decided to take the 24-hour drive and just start his life out in California. He was two years older than me, and he said that, you know, you might as well give this a shot when you're young. And uh, I went out there. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. I didn't totally get what I was looking for, but um, ultimately, long story short, about halfway halfway through my first year, I decided that I wanted to go into sports broadcasting. Well, yeah, wow. So it sounds like uh, it sounds like you were a very well-rounded kid in high school, and that's that's a model maybe to all of our listeners is that you should try different things. And listening to the drive, I hear you and Nick Ba. You know, you'll just break into a segment maybe about like making salad or uh, again like being a parent or bachelor parties. You. You're very unique in your sports broadcasting because with Nick Ba, you guys could go off on tangents not only about sports but just about life in general. So would you say that having Nick Ba as a very colorful analyst with you on the show, just talk about, again, just getting into those small talk conversations about life other than sports and talk about how Nick Ba, such a colorful analyst, helps you to break into those funny, humorous tangents that don't always involve sports but this are very colorful about life in general? Sure. Um, Nick, Vaughn, I, uh, I mean, this is, I'm trying to think of how to say this without giving you too much hyperbole. Nick, Vaughn, and I are, are two similar people who come from two very different backgrounds. And he's, uh, I mean, obviously he was a D1 athlete. He comes from a good family, and uh, he was kind of a hero in Lincoln when he was going to high school here before he decided to go play basketball at Kansas and Creighton. Those tangents you hear on the show um, <laughs> usually are, are done in the moment by Nick. My job, uh, no pun intended here, is, is to drive the show. It's to steer the show. It's to kind of keep Nick on task. If we, if we have a couple of tangents, uh, I, I'm fine with taking those because I still think that there's an audience that wants to, to hear us uh, kind of humanize sports, humanize um, that, that we're real people too you know he's 28 I'm 25 he's engaged I live with my girlfriend and there's a lot of stories that, that we can tell and relate to people we feel um, just based on our status right now in life I think sometimes we hope it comes off as a little endearing to maybe guys in their 40s and 50s because they can think back to how it was for them but the other thing is uh, Nick one time told me this uh, when he was working at 1620 he had a guy tell him, sports radio, um, the audience is never going to remember exactly what you say, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And I think that that is uh, kind of our motto for our show. If yeah. we're passionate about something and you can feel that, even if you don't like the sport or the topic, we hope you're still enjoying um, listening to us talk. Yeah, you could definitely get into um, to different topics. And even uh, you, the Masters, uh, you admitted uh, this week that you weren't a golf fan. But just your passion that you brought to it and just to hear you guys laughing and talking about all these players that you haven't heard of, even Mark Leishman and making jokes, like just about Outback Steakhouse. And, and on the show, like th- those, those things definitely drive listeners. And uh, we're still talking a little bit about your background. So um, going into California, you said you were a big Raiders and Milwaukee Bucks fan. Talk about uh, liking the Oakland Raiders. What brought you to, to liking Al Davis and the Raiders? <laughs> I don't know if it'd be so much Al Davis. Uh, I, I, I mean, like, I guess I had to respect him because it was my favorite team, even though he made bad decisions. But um, the way I became a Raiders fan is kind of crazy. I, I've got baby pictures of uh, me and Minnesota Vikings gear because my dad was a big Vikings fan. I think he always kind of wanted me to be one as well. Um, but when I was about four or five, uh, I had an older cousin who was about five years older than me, and he was kind of my uh, one of my best friends growing up. And he was a big Raiders fan. And so he asked me how I had uh, come to be a Raiders fan. And, or he, he asked me if I wanted to like the Raiders, and just because I looked up to him, um, I decided to be a Raiders fan. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the Vikings and the Raiders both have uh, very cool traditions. Like whenever I hear about the Vikings, I always hear about the, 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 
the sound, the touchdown, and all those people dressed in uh, in bullhorns pretty much <laughs> in yeah. Minnesota. So you picked the most colorful teams, definitely. Right here, we are big Eagles fans, and, and I'm actually a Giants fan. So uh, the fans here in Philadelphia, I mean, they'll let you know um, when you're not rooting for the team that you're supposed to be rooting for. So uh, my dad's a big football fan, and uh, yeah, that, that's a very interesting story. Yeah, my cousin, I have an older cousin, so I definitely look up to him in that regard. Um, you mentioned Husker basketball, and uh, one of my questions to you is that Husker football has national championships, but Husker basketball, now correct me if I'm wrong, they haven't even won an NCAA tournament game. So talk about your interest as a fan, and with Tim Miles in this program, are you interested in Husker basketball because they can do something that no one has done before, and you can live during an era of Husker basketball, and you could say you were the first, the first NCAA, um, the first Nebraska basketball team to win an NCAA tournament. Talk about your motivation as a fan and as a sportscaster to cover Husker basketball and the differences from football. Sure. I mean, you, you essentially hit the nail on the head as far as my passion with Nebraska basketball is concerned. The reason I, the reason I, I would say I'm a bigger Nebraska basketball fan uh, more than football uh, is a couple reasons. One, it's the novelty. Um, they've never won a tournament game, so when they do win a tournament game, I will experience that the same time everybody else does. Whereas in college football, like in Nebraska football, I've never been old enough to appreciate Nebraska winning a national title, and I'm jealous of people that are. I hear stories of parties and you know New Year's Eve and in '94, '95, '97, and I'm just like, gosh, I wonder what that's like. Um, I, I remember Tom Osborne more as a congressman than a head coach. Um, I, I mean, and as an AD, and so Nebraska football hasn't gotten stale to me. I will always follow it. I will cover it. It's a beast we have to feed here. But Nebraska basketball feels special to me because it's kind of mine, and it's uh, it's something that a lot of people make fun of, and I like to stand up for. Um, it's uh, it's really just the novelty of it. I mean, that's the best way I can put it. I mean, they've never won a tournament game. Nobody's ever seen it, and I look forward to being part of the group of people that does get to see that someday. Right. Um, you, you interview a, a variety of um, of guests on your show, um, including guys like Greg Doyle, who who we know is just very outgoing, you could say, and, and very opinionated. Um, what are the challenges of interviewing people that you might have a different opinion of when, when they're um, coming on your show? Talk about the variety of guests you guys have on the drive and how you deal with different personalities as a host of a radio show. It's my job to make interviews engaging. I, I take my interviewing skills very seriously. Um, I, I kind of know uh, with most of my guests their angles on things. I've, I've read what they've written before they come on the air, and I know um, maybe how reserved or outspoken they are. Greg Doyle is a good example. Uh, Greg Doyle is kind of specific to our show. He doesn't, he doesn't go on uh, the other shows usually here at, at, at the ticket. And... I had one of our uh, producers here in college. He's like, man, he's like, I don't know if I can interview Greg Doyle. He's like, how do you interview Greg Doyle? <laughs> and Greg and I, you know what, guys, it really beats me how we got, like, this professional friendship out of nowhere. Um, I used to do the show with Steve Sipple, and Sipple had his number. We called him, and he tweeted back at us after the interview that he really enjoyed coming on the show. And so as soon as Nick became my new co-host, I just said, we got to have Doyle on weekly. He's great radio. Um, he's, he's outspoken. He makes you think. And even if you disagree with him, it certainly makes you discuss what he's talking about. And I think that's important to driving listenership as well. Absolutely. Um, Greg Doyle, to me, would just be like such a good pal or just I wish like he even was uh, related to me because it looks like he doesn't put up with anything. He just does things his own way, and that's what makes him such a great and compelling read um, as, a, uh, as a sports fan because you're going to agree with him sometimes and then you're going to disagree, and he definitely stirs the pot in a way that you can respect. Um, so here's a fun question that I came up with today in school, and it's about Nebraska basketball. And it's either two options you could choose. One, you can have Trey Burke, all-star point guard for Michigan. You can have him on Nebraska ball for two years, or you can have shot-blocking Jeff Whiffy, a big man, for four years. Which player would you choose? 
Trey Burke, without a doubt. Um, he's electric. I want to. I think he'd be a better fit for Tim Miles' motion offense. Uh, he, he's the player of the year in college hoops, and I know he's going to the NBA now. But um, I, uh, we, we had a lot of. I have a couple buddies that hate Michigan, and so they they made it their mission to hate on Trey Burke, and and that's one thing in sports that I love. Like if anybody can give me reason to. Um, cheer for somebody harder than I will. Uh, I've got a soft spot for Trey Burke. He might be my favorite college basketball player. And I, I just, I mean, like, the shots he was taking uh, in, in the game against Kansas, the shots he was taking against Louisville, you want a cold-blooded player like that on your team, somebody that's exciting to watch, somebody that um, you know is headed to the NBA, and someone you know is going to get you an NCAA tournament victory. Um, I got nothing against Jeff Withy. I, I think his offensive game lacks a little bit, but I mean he's an incredible uh, defensive player, and I think he'll fit in well somewhere in the NBA too. Absolutely, and uh, this college basketball season had a lot of parity, and we had a lot of great games, particularly in your conference, Nebraska's conference, the Big Ten. We were pretty much juggling big teams with uh, Indiana, uh, Michigan State, Michigan. Um, personally, as a viewer, I, I like the 76ers in the NBA, but this year, especially as an 18-year-old, I'm drawn more to the college game, and maybe it's just the fans that are in the arena each night and the intensity. Um, talk about this college basketball season as a whole how would you rate it and the NCAA tournament um, I, I know that we didn't the lack of play definitely was noticeable the lack of shot making that you see in this year's tournament but how would you rate it um, this this NCAA tournament and this basketball season I'd give the college basketball season a D and I'd give the NCAA tournament a C and that's solely because of Florida Gulf Coast and the national title game, how exciting it was. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bigger NBA fan than a college basketball fan because it's prettier to watch to me, and it's better athletes, it's guys that can make jump shots. And, I mean, other than Nebraska basketball and other Big Ten games going on, mm-hmm. I, I don't follow college basketball as closely as Nick does until uh, the NCAA tournament. So... I think college basketball has got a lot to fix. I think the I think the officiating right now is uh, borderline atrocious. <laughs> the NBA does, has really cleaned up their officiating. Yeah. And I I think um, they need to shorten the shot clock to thirty or twenty five seconds. And I think what you saw in the national title game, more teams need to uh, allow their players to have more freedom on the court instead of you know, running through an offense like robots and just setting high ball screens over and over again. It just hurts its product. Now, all that being said, the NCAA tournament got great ratings this year on TV, so uh, maybe they won't change anything. But, I I mean, those would be my suggestions to change the game. I love the NBA game. I, I think it's set up perfectly. Yeah, um, the NBA, they definitely have freedom of movement uh, that you explained. I I just think that the college basketball uh, layout, like you said, um, I like how really we have team defense. And even guys like Travis Relaford of Kansas, he's just a guy who's going to get in your face defensively, but he might not have the skills one-on-one to make it in the NBA setting. So um, college basketball, just the camaraderie, the rivalries. Uh, In the NBA, you see guys like even the um, Miami Heat or the San Antonio Spurs were sick guys. I just think the 30 game format of NCAA basketball definitely separates itself um, from from NBA ball. So uh, again, you had Florida Gulf Coast winning. Uh, when you pick a bracket, um, Jake, do you actually uh, like to pick teams like that are underdogs to win just to spice up your bracket? Talk about maybe um, how you pick your bracket and how much the NCAA tournament has meant to you over the years. You know what's weird is, uh, I think this is just law of averages, how it works out. Last year, um, I felt like a genius. I had uh, Kansas and Kentucky in the national title game. I had three out of the four final four teams, and I won our ticket bracket pool, and this year I got last. So, and I had no teams in the final four. So, <laughs> whatever method I was using, I mean, it's just based, a lot of it's just based on luck. I mean, I, I, um, my, my strategy when I pick my bracket is real simple. I'll pick an upset here or there. Um, I don't have those teams usually going to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight just because it's it's too risky to pick. Um, my my big thing I do, I'm trying to think how to explain this for radio without like showing you the bracket. I'll take a I'll look at a one or a two or a three seed. 
one of those top three seeds, and I will look at potential matchups in the second round, in the Sweet 16, in the Elite Eight, and I will look at their potential difficult path to get to the Final Four. And that's kind of how I decide who goes to the Final Four. Um, for example, and I got this wrong this year, but I thought Ohio State had an incredibly easy path to the Final Four. Like, I thought that was their bracket to lose. And it, I mean, it turned out I was I was right until the Elite Eight. Like, if you would have told me they played Wichita State, I'd be like, okay, good, I got Ohio State. So I knew what I was doing. <laughs> exactly, but, yeah. And I look at their potential matchups that they could have um, and how difficult they're going to be for them. That's absolutely an, an excellent strategy, you know, because, of course, you had Gonzaga in the West region. So now I'm just I'm just guessing you didn't pick Louisville to go to the Final Four um, because they had Michigan State and uh, and Duke and other tough teams in their region. Yeah, I, I, uh, Tom Izzo, I think, is the best coach in college basketball. He's gone to, I think, six of the last 15 Final Fours. He's got his boys usually playing their best basketball in March and April. And it was a... I, I just am a sucker for Tom Izzo, and I love the style of play that Michigan State always has. Uh, I, I had Michigan State going to the Final Four. Gritty and tough. That That's what Tom Izzo is. And uh, last question before you go. Thank you again, Jake, for coming on our show. Um, and again, giving us insight to Nebraska sports and giving us your background as a sportscaster. I think young sports fans and old sports fans will watch this and uh, will we'll, uh, be interested in your afternoon show, The Ticket, on 93.7 FM. The Ticket, listen to the podcast, guys, because I do it every afternoon and I don't regret it. So thank you, Jake, again. Um, but last question here, um, Nebraska football. They have Taylor Martinez, one of the most electrifying players in college football. Their defense, especially stopping the run game last year, hurt them versus Wisconsin as they put up 70 points on them. Talk about Bo Pelini and talk about your expectations this year um, for Nebraska and their football team this year. Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of been the same song and dance the last five years. They get your hopes up in October and then they kind of pee a game down their leg and uh, we just start the cautious optimism back up in January after a crappy bowl game loss, and the same thing usually happens. I I, uh, I hate to be a cynic about Nebraska football, but until they can show me that they can win a conference title, until they can show me they can be nationally relevant, I never have my hopes up too high. Um, it comes down to two things this year. Can Taylor Martinez play well in Ann Arbor? Can he play well those last four games of the year? It's a soft schedule up until that point, and how is the front seven going to look on defense? I mean, when your best player coming back is maybe Jason Ankara and David Santos, um, you, you can't sell me much hope. So, I mean, I know that their excuse is they're young and experienced and they're going to play instinctual football, but I'm just like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. The other thing is, everybody just seems like they know Nebraska is going to be 8-0 and heading to Ann Arbor and they've got this soft schedule to start off. I, I... If I, if I were a betting man, I would say Nebraska trips up at least one time before they go to Ann Arbor. They'll lose a game that they shouldn't just because either the offense won't be clicking or the defense is just going to fall apart. And, I mean, whether it be Northwestern or UCLA, I don't know, but I can see them slipping up one time. In a, in a college football background where you have to win pretty much all your games um, to make it into the BCS, you have to pretty much go perfect, and even teams that are undefeated um, will still be stacked at the top. Um, do you like the soft schedule? Because as a college football fan and a, a, as um, as a Nebraska um, football fan, um, I kind of like the soft schedule because you could get on a little roll and get your confidence up, or would you rather see them play a tougher opponent early to kind of wake them up before they go to Michigan? Um, if you're selling hope to your fans, then the soft schedule is the way to go. Uh, Bill Snyder's known that for a long time at Kansas State. I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, they, they got a bad draw when they entered the Big Ten, playing Ohio State and Wisconsin the first two years. I, uh, I'm fine with their schedule. I still think they'll be tested, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with how their schedule sets up. Gotcha. Well, Jake, again, I want to thank you. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, again, one of the best interviews we've ever had on Bruce the Sports Doc. Uh, thank you for letting us into uh, to your life as a sportscaster and giving us great insight on Nebraska and college sports around the, around the club. I want to echo that as well. Um, really enjoyed uh, speaking to you. 
we're really focused in nationally and in, in, in your part of the world. And um, my son's a devotee of your show, so it really he really was thrilled to be able to speak to you. And as we as we headed to uh, you know the summer, as we headed to uh, Nebraska football, uh, we, we'd hope to have you back on the show. And uh, we want to wish you all the luck. Uh, we think you made the right choice going into sports broadcasting. You're certainly an eloquent. You, you basically use all of your tools of speaking and, and your intelligence. And, and all of that comes to the fore in what you're doing now. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. And, and we want to thank you for having for, for spending some time with us today. Hey, you bet. I mean, you guys are too kind uh, with, what, with what you're saying. I appreciate it. It's, it's been a privilege to come on your show anytime, guys. Well, thanks a lot. Now, have a great day. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Listen to the women's side of the fitness industry on Fitness RX Radio. If you're looking to stay healthy and look great or are getting ready to compete athletically, this is the show for you. We'll look at competitions from the inside out, bring you fitness tips, nutrition to keep you on top of your game, and so much more. We want to hear from you, too, and we'll take your questions by phone or email. Tune in to Fitness RX Radio, airing every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Look and feel your best. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You are listening to Bruce the Sports Doc with Dr. Bruce Grossinger. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call in at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to bruce at brucethesportsdoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the next episode of Bruce the Sports Doc on the Voice America Sports Network. I am your host, Spencer Grossinger, and uh, we got a great show teed up for you guys. Um, Just a great time of year. We've got uh, NBA playoff basketball is on the air and uh, a long regular season, but right now we got some uh, interesting series, especially in the Western Conference. It's a good time of year. You know, uh, colleges are coming to an end, high school prom's getting started, and uh, just a very exciting time of year, and... uh, I'm pleasured to be joined by uh, two uh, very accomplished guests. We got um, a usual guy. We got Wes Kaminsky from Bleacher Report. Uh, Wes, say hi to uh, to your Voice America fans. How's it going? 
And we also have, first time on the show, we got Zach Gelb, who works at Whip Radio, um, the Temple, the official radio for Temple Sports. And Zach, why don't you give your, a little bio about yourself for, uh, for the Voice America fans and for the Bruce the Sports Doc uh, fans? Well, uh, first off, thanks for having me. Um, it's a thrill to be on your show. But, um, yeah, what we do, we do a sports talk show here at Temple University. We actually just broadcasted the Cherry and White game for spring football. Uh, we do everything. We bring you a, a great brand of sports talk radio. It's uh, compelling with industry guests. Uh, this week we have uh, Dick Vitale on, Adam Schefter, Justin Pugh, and as well as Keith Evans do a little basketball and some NFL drafts. So um, I've been doing this stuff since I've been eight years old, and it's uh, always fun to talk sports with a bunch of uh, people and my friends that I enjoy to do this with. Absolutely, and uh, it, it's pretty amazing, Zach, like being in this business that we are because uh, you pretty much watch sports for fun as a kid and um, and, and watching basketball and football and having that be your homework, uh, just talk about how, how much of a thrill that is to uh, pretty much be studying and getting your, uh, your ammo for your show while you're watching your favorite sports. Yeah, that's a tough part about the job, and I know people are going to say you just watch the games, but I'm always on Twitter and Facebook, and you have to be cognizant of everything going on, and um, even have a tragedy like you had this week up in Boston, which was a terrible scene uh, to see. You have to know uh, the real world kind of stuff as well, so it's not only sports, you have to be well diverse, and uh, but yeah, uh, I watch a lot of sports, and um, the NBA playoffs are going on right now, and um Hasn't been too many good games. There's been a lot of lopsided games besides that uh, Denver and Golden State game. But other than that, it, it's always fun time of the year. You have NHL playoffs also coming up. So you got a lot going on right after March Madness. Then. Yeah, uh, yeah. You had the Masters, um, and, and then you have the NBA playoffs. And uh, Wes Kaminsky, actually, we all know that he's a big Chicago's Bulls fan. Uh, he writes for Bleacher Report, doing all NFL stuff. Um, but but also he does a ton of NBA and writes some great comms on the Chicago Bulls. And Wes, uh, you were at the uh, at the game in Brooklyn. Talk about the scene. I know it might have not been. Uh, the greatest three hours to watch a basketball game for you, but talk about your team, the Chicago Bulls, going forward, and talk about the experience. Yeah, uh, it wasn't three hours. Actually. It only lasted like two hours. Couldn't couldn't last the whole game, you know. But uh, it was a great scene in Brooklyn. You know, a lot of energy. It's the first playoff game ever in Brooklyn. So I mean, they, the Bulls just couldn't really weather the storm in the beginning. They really got run out of the building to start. Offense was out of sync all game. Uh, couldn't really stop Darren Williams. Didn't have an answer for him. And it's going to be a struggle because uh, Noah's still not 100%. Todd Gibson's still bad on the knee injury. And Heinrich got banged up last night, too. And obviously, Derek Rose is not ruled out, but he should eventually be ruled out. So, I don't know. I think, that, I think they're going to come out better. Um, they have to come out better tomorrow. You can't really play much worse than they did in the first half. Yeah, uh, it looked like Brooke Lopez was really having his way in the post, and it looked like Boozer and Noah, I wouldn't think that that would be the toughest matchup for the Bulls. Uh, I look at the guard play, and you look at Darren Williams and Joe Johnson. I mean, those are two guys that can present troubles. Um, if the Bulls are to win this series, what matchup do they have to take advantage of, and do you have any uh, players on the team? Like, what do you see um, between the Bulls' offense that you think could be effective to uh, – to win some games, which areas would you attack on New Jersey's defense? I mean, the big man, that's always their strength, is their front court with Boozer, Noah, um, Kosh Gibson, and now, now Naj Muhammad has to play big minutes because Noah's banged up. That's Now you see they really do miss Omer Sheik right now. It's one of those times they wish you could have re signed him. But, I mean, it's really, I mean, they have a lot of guys. Luol Dang is going to have to be the guy, you know, he's all he's all star. And he came up small yesterday. He only had six points, shot three eleven from the field, and he just didn't do much. I think he's the X factor when he plays well. The Bulls generally do well, and also Kirk Heinrich. Um, in games Heinrich missed this year, the Bulls are seven and fifteen. So I mean, he's I mean, he's a glue guy. So you know him and Dang in there, the crucial pieces for the Bulls if they want to get past the Nets. Yeah, uh, when you, when you look at New Jersey, I mean, I, I'm actually surprised that uh, 
that they're a fourth seed. I mean, they're, they they have some guys like Gerald Wallace who can really play defense, Darren Williams, uh, who really is going to play like an all-star, I believe, in these playoffs. I mean, in Utah, uh, he made some memorable runs, uh, winning some playoff rounds early on. So, I mean, the Nets look like a team that is... Uh, that is as pretty complete in some ways, and uh, of course, like Derrick Rose for the Bulls would uh, would tilt the the ends in their favor. Um, Zach, where do you? How would you break down the series, and what do you think it's going to be similar to Game One the rest of the way? I think it's going to get a little bit closer. Uh, the Bulls they have a phenomenal head coach, and you look at what the Bulls have done throughout the course of the whole season. Uh, they'll make adjustments. This team has uh, suffered a plethora of adversity, losing Derrick Rose in the playoffs of last year, and now you're going to see the way that they bounce back from that. And um, let's hit it right on the head. Uh, no is not at 110% health, and that's a big-time struggle in this series. Uh, Brooke Lopez has really come into his own this year. He's starting to get back to his roots and rebounding the basketball. But let's be real, the Nets just played the perfect game um, come game one in this series where they won 106-89, to and they had six players that had 12-plus points. Uh, if the Bulls want to have a chance in this series, they got to find a way to cut some of those avenues down a little bit because you can't have six players scoring 12 points a game and expect to win a series. And uh, the Nets dominated in the paint. Uh, Boozer offensively played a good game, not so much defensively, but I expect the Nets to take care of the Bulls in five or six games at most. And uh, then it looks like they'll have a tough matchup with the Miami Heat, where I'm sure the Heat um, will definitely uh, find a way to advance in that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I You opened the avenue for us to talk about the defending champions, the Miami Heat, and this team was really the uh, the ringleader in the NBA. Um, you had LeBron James going off for that um, six-game spurt of scoring 30 points and shooting the ball over, I think it was, 50% from the field. So uh, in the Eastern Conference, Wes, uh, which team do you think will be the biggest challenge to the Miami Heat and if there's an area to go at the Miami Heat, how would you assess um, the defending champions in their road uh, back to the finals? Uh, I mean, I don't. Th- I, you know, yeah, Zach, you could go first. I think that the Heat could lose to really in the East. I think the East is very weak. If you want to look at one team that could possibly find a way to get um, a few victories and maybe beat them, you could look at the Knicks. They have the best chance to do it because if uh, they get past the Celtics, they're probably going to have to face the Pacers in the next round. But when I look at it, the Heat from top to bottom to start the season, uh, they were the best team in, in, uh, the, in the NBA, and I'd be stunned if they're not back in the NBA Finals for a third consecutive year. Yeah, it's really hard to believe they're going to lose. I mean, I mean, the Knicks, I was going to say the Knicks, too. The Knicks are their biggest threat. I mean, the Knicks, they did well against them this year. I think they went 3-1. and one. I could be wrong. But I don't really think that matters. Um, it's, I mean, the Knicks are old, too. They've been banged up. And it's hard. I mean, I don't know. It's just hard to believe the, the Heat aren't going to get back there. Yeah, I mean... The problem with the Knicks is, you look at them, and the age is just such a problem. Uh, Jason Kidd, his legs go out sometime. It's not like what he once was. Even a few years ago, when he won a championship and beat the Heat uh, with the Dallas Mavericks. And uh, if they want to find a way to get past the Heat, which it's a far ways away, I don't see it happening. Carmelo Anthony is just going to have to take his game to the next level and almost be unconscious in that series. But I do believe that you'll see the Eastern Conference Finals with the Knicks going up against the Heat and the Heat should win that one in five games. Yeah, you you look at the Knicks, and they do have an equalizer in the three-point shot. You look at Melo, you look at Steve Novak, Jason Kidd, and J.R. Smith. So they do have scores. It's just in the low block. I think that Chris Bosh will have his way with Tyson Chandler hitting that jump shot. Um, you look at Dwayne Wade and still LeBron James. I think that could go six at most. Um, and, and an exciting team to talk about that I've liked how they've really shaped um, their, their team this year is the Indiana Pacers. I'm actually a big Lance Stevenson guy. Um, I, I don't know if you two were familiar with his uh, with his high school career, but in Brooklyn, uh, re- really a legend, actually. I think in the Bronx, uh, they called him Born Ready. At, uh, yeah, went to Lincoln, Born Ready. Um, 
went to Rucker Park. So I really like now that he's getting some starting time. And then you have the kid out of Fresno. You have Paul George goes for a triple-double. Talk about these Indiana Pacers. And I look at the Hawks, and I am not excited at all about Atlanta. I see that going five games. Just I mean, talk about Indiana and the Hawks series, um, Wes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the least intriguing series of the playoffs. I mean, there's really no storylines there. Um, but I think I like the Pacers. The Pacers, they kind of they kind of limped in the postseason, a little injured. And I mean, they're physical. They gave the Heat a scare last year, up two one, then poor losing right the next three games. But I don't I don't see them threatening the Heat at all. And against the Knicks too, I don't know. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure about that. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Dr. Bruce Grossinger is a board-certified neurologist and managing partner of Grossinger Neuropain Specialist. Serving the Philadelphia and Wilmington, Delaware areas in the fields of sports medicine, pain management, interventional spinal surgeries, and occupational medicine, Dr. Bruce is the director of the National Sports Concussion Program and works as a senior medical advisor for the National High School Coaches Association. We're involved in the propagation of increased safety measures in all levels of sports participation to render the games safer in terms of brain and spinal Injuries. This involves education of athletes, parents, trainers, coaches, and administrators at the amateur and professional levels. Clinical consultations and treatment can be scheduled directly with Dr. Grossinger at 610-521-6063. Visit Dr. Bruce online at brucethesportsdoc.com. Again, for consultations and treatment, call 610-521-6063 or visit brucethesportsdoc.com. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. Fantasy Sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you are listening to bruce the sports doc with dr bruce grossinger if you have a question or comment about today's program please call in at 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or send an email to bruce at BruceTheSportsDoc.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the newest edition of Bruce the Sports Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Grossinger, and I'm a clinical neurologist and sports doctor, and my practice is located in the Philadelphia metropolitan area, as well as in Wilmington, Delaware. If you're somebody who suffers from pain, numbness or weakness, low back pain, or if you're injured in a work accident or motor vehicle accident, please give us a call. In Pennsylvania, 610-521-6063, and in Delaware, 302-636-0920. Our show deals with various sporting injuries, as well as an analysis of what's going on in the world of sports. This first segment 
will be I will be riding solo, and my co-host Spencer the Wizard Grossinger will be involved in the next few segments. Spencer will be interviewing Wesley Kaminsky, who works for BleacherReport.com. And as you know, Bleacher Report is a very popular uh, website. And uh, Wesley is particularly expert with respect to the NBA and the Chicago Bulls. So I know that Spencer and Wesley will be talking about various aspects pertaining to the NBA playoffs. Well, let's get started. I always like to talk about problems that are widespread and those that can pertain to the listening audience. And this first segment is going to deal with low back pain. How do you diagnose and treat low back pain? How do you know if the low back pain is benign and harmless? And what are the warning signs that tell you you have to go come see a doctor? And what tests will the doctor order in order to figure out what's wrong with you? Well, the low back can be injured in many different ways, often due to lifting, twisting, or sports injuries. As we get older, there's a higher likelihood of low back pain. As we get older, there's also certain findings in the back that give rise to back pain. That is, the discs that separate the bones in the back actually begin to dry out, and there's narrowing between the bones of the lumbar spine. And there's also other findings, which we call osteophytes, which are bone spurs that can develop between bony segments. So there are some people who just develop signs of aging in the back, and that usually is manifested as morning stiffness and low back pain with exertion. Another type of low back problem is called a lumbar strain. It's called a soft tissue injury. Usually gets better with certain types of treatment. It gets better with anti-inflammatory medicines, such as aspirin or Motrin, and it could respond to such treatments as massage, physical therapy, and chiropractic care. The hallmarks of a lumbar strain are that there is no radiating pain, and the pain is localized to the low back, otherwise known as the lumbar region. The next type of problem with the back is a more serious type. We call this sciatica, and some people might call this a pinched nerve. In Latin, we call this lumbosacral radiculopathy. That is, low back pain that's radiating into one or both legs. What we as doctors do is we examine the patient, and we look carefully for signs of muscle weakness in one or both legs, We also check the reflexes. We use a neurological hammer and we tap on the knee. That's called the patellar reflex and it relates to the L4 nerve root in the back. Usually a disc problem at L3-4 or a disc problem at L4-5. When we tap on the heel, we call that the Achilles reflex. And patients that have diminished reflexes are a sign of nerve injury. So, let's say we have somebody who has a diminished right Achilles reflex, normal one on the left, symptoms on the right. We often think about a disc problem or a nerve problem at the lowest level of the back, and this is called the L5-S1 disc level. So, how do we check this out? Actually, plain x-rays are not very helpful in looking at discs and nerves. The only time we want to do an x-ray is if we really suspect a fracture of the low back or another type of bony pathology because an x-ray does not show discs and nerves. In the old days when I was training in the 80s, we, uh, we used CAT scans a lot, but more recently the MRI, which is a magnetic resonance imaging scan is about the same price as a CAT scan, involves no radiation, and shows us the best resolution of the spine. 
So in this case, somebody comes into me. They're lifting. They develop severe back pain, readying it to the right-legged foot. The most important thing I could do is examine them. In my hypothetical patient, I noticed that he has mild weakness of the calf muscle called the gastrocnemius, weakness of the hamstrings. And when I ask him to extend his leg, he has restriction. That's what we call a positive sitting root sign. He also has spasm in the low back. That is tenderness and hardness of the, of the back area. So all of this clues me in that there may well be a disc or nerve problem in the back. So I go ahead and order an MRI. And what do I find? Find a herniated disc, a slip disc at L5S1. Go ahead and perform a nerve test and find out that there's a single nerve problem at the right S1 level. So how do I treat this? First step is physical therapy and medications at rest. Second step, in our office we have procedure rooms that have devices called fluoroscopes. They enable us to do various types of injections safely, usually under local anesthetic. And the goal of epidural injections are to relieve inflammation, promote healing, and improve function of the low back, that is the injured patient who has a nerve problem or a disc problem. In about 70% of the cases, using the injections, the patients will experience some degree of benefit. Again, we also recommend physical therapy, chiropractic care, and other conservative measures. A rare patient will develop progressive weakness of one or both legs, difficulty with bowel or bladder function, or pain that doesn't get better and is not responsive to conservative measures. That is, doesn't get better with physical therapy or epidural injections. And these are the patients we sent to the spine surgeon. Spine surgeon could be either an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon. A spine surgeon's role is to examine the patient, look at the MRIs, and determine whether an operation is necessary. Again, in our practice, only 5 to 10% of patients that we treat with radiating low back pain come to need a surgical consult. And when we do send them there, they're fairly well selected, and there's a decent chance that they may, in fact, require some type of intervention. When there is spine surgery, it often involves removal of the disc, which we call discectomy, through a laminectomy, and many patients require a fusion procedure for the low back. That is, there's the use of hardware, titanium, and that helps stabilize the vertebral segments so that after the surgery, there's no collapse and there's retention of the vertebral inner space. So trying to do a, a summary for you, different types of low back pain, the uh, physical examination is key, coupled with certain tests, including the MRI and EMG in selected cases of sciatica, that is patients with neurological deficits. We believe in using conservative measures first, physical therapy, medications, spinal injections. And only in a rare minority of patients do we send them to a spine surgeon. I want to thank Ray Ellis, our director of Voice America Sports, and Jeffrey Spinard, president of Voice America. And most importantly, we want to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to Bruce the Sports Doc. Stay tuned. We'll be back in three minutes with the next segment of Bruce the Sports Doc. Thanks for joining the discussion this week on Bruce the Sports Doc. Tune in next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with Dr. Bruce Grossinger on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll see you then. <laughs>